Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Patricia. Uh, my name is Aaron. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the Nickelodeon Upfront, the top 15 most streamed shows on Disney+, Plus, according to the statistics in Q1 2022. Metroid Dread is the best-selling game of the franchise in the UK. LeBron James wins a Razzie for Worst Actor for a particular movie we've been talking about for quite a while. Some Avatar The Last Airbender news, some Chalk Zone afterthoughts. Another Pixar series is going to be having an animated series. A graphic novel based off a beloved show from Disney is being cancelled and a lot of fans are pissed off and a very unexpected guest is appearing on sesame street and we're going to be doing our episode discussions on the owl house and another show well stay tuned and find out you're listening to aaron and patricia on the 27th of march of 2022 apologies to everybody who was expecting me on the morgan terry live stream unfortunately she was having some technical issues so she could only have about six people up on the stream so uh, i just uh kind of hanged out in the chat room and uh, also donated to uh uh, the uh, Trevor Project, uh, which is still going, by the way, on the GoFundMe page. We will leave a link in the description. By the way, they last night they raised $1,140 for the uh, Tre Trevor Project, and it is still ongoing, and they're looking to get to the goal of $2,000. Already 30 donations have been made by some very generous people. One donation is for $200, so anyone who can match that, I think, will be much appreciated by Morgan. Uh, go over to GoFundMe.com and uh, go find uh, the charity drawing live stream we'll leave a link on it on the description and you can leave a donation right here right now so we'll let you know about that uh patricia do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the old school lane podcast Yes. So this week I did a double downer on the 2002 animated series Chalk Zone. I interviewed uh, Michael Hillinger, Rebecca, and the cartoonish Weeb on their fond memories of Chalk Zone and what the show meant to them because not only was it the show's 20th anniversary, but also uh, they were doing a um chalk zone event uh kind of like similar to what we did a few years ago with the as told by ginger and the hey arnold virtual reunion live stream they had just did it um as of the recording of this podcast on the 22nd of march which uh was the 20th anniversary of chalk zone and they will be posting up their recording on um their zoom discussion sometime this week and also, I just recently interviewed Bill Burnett and Larry Huber, who are the creators of Chalk Zone. So all of that stuff will be coming out this week on YouTube. Okay. All right, so let's discuss about this Nickelodeon upfront. So, as you guys know, every single year, Nickelodeon are even like various, um, you know, networks, uh, but this year is Nickelodeon. So, what they do is, is that they have an announcement based off of, okay, these are the upcoming shows and movies and um, all that kind of properties that we're going to be doing. And these are the, all the stuff that's going to be coming out. And a lot of people were really excited about like, oh, is it going to be a brand new show? Is this particular show that I really, really like is going to be getting some new episodes in the season? And my goodness, were people so disappointed. I even saw somebody on Twitter saying that this was probably the most creatively bankrupt um, Nickelodeon upfront that they've ever had. So pretty much a lot of the stuff that they were posting up 
uh, in terms of like, oh yeah, we're going to be focusing on these particular shows are expanding the franchises of SpongeBob SquarePants, Paw Patrol, Baby Shark, The Loud House, and um, also they're going to be having some spinoff series based off of some um, Nick Jr. properties such as uh, Blue's Clues and You. And uh, believe it or not, if you remember the Nick Jr. icon Face, he's going to be having his own TV series called Face's Music Party. There's going to be an adaptation of the Bossy Bear book titles, uh, book um, based off of the book series. And then there's going to be some revivals and renewals of um, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which, believe it or not, is getting its third season after its huge success. Um, Big Nate, which is based off of a book series. Uh, Blaze and the Monster Machines. And they're going to be having some... Um, additional seasons of their podcasts, such as Avatar Braving the Elements featuring Dante Bosco and Janet Varney. And so, yeah, a lot of people were just really, really upset about what happened because a lot of the stuff that they're re, 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 um, rebranding or they're reviving is basically just, oh yeah, here's some stuff that is already popular or here's some adaptations based off of things that already existed as opposed to like, you know, fresh new shows. So, yeah, that's why a lot of people were just really disappointed. And on top of that, it's really a lot of stuff that people don't overly care about when you really think exactly, about it. Yeah. So, like, I mean, let's start off with the positives, okay? So, um, I mean, like, I mean, obviously SpongeBob SquarePants is going to keep going. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yep. that, that he, he's <laughs> going to be having its 14th season. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, so it's pretty much the mainstay of Nickelodeon. And uh, unfortunately, whether, whether people like it or not, it's still popular. So people are still going to gravitate towards it, even though, you know, me, Patricia, and probably every other cartoon fan who listens to this show are probably sick and tired of it by now. And it should have ended probably a good couple of seasons ago so like, yeah and, and not to mention that there's also the um the new episodes of camp coral and the patrick star show so yep patrick star show is going to be having its second season and we're still waiting on the bets about how long it's going to last so well you said two and i said three if i recall yes. yeah so uh, so basically uh, right now um, I think uh, if it ends at season two, I think you've already won the bet. But if, uh, if it ends at season three, or if, I think if he goes even further than that, then <laughs> all of us have lost pretty much, but, uh, <laughs> including everyone listening to this show. But, uh, I mean, the so SpongeBob SquarePants is going to be sticking around. Um, I mean, uh, the whole thing with Baby Shark and the fact that now he's getting celebrity guests, I mean, like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I don't particularly care for Cardi B or like, so I'm really surprised that. Uh, didn't she do like a really controversial music video? At one point, Cardi yeah, B. Some, yeah, something like that. And also, from what I heard, Cardi B was doing some controversial stuff as well. So, yeah. yeah maybe was, this happened well, not controversial. Now. Maybe risque, I think, is probably more otherwise. Didn't she do, like, the, the wet-ass pussy stuff? Uh, yes. She, yeah, so she... And now she's on the Nick Jr. show. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can't say Nickelodeon isn't still got its edge to do it, or like, uh, good grief, that's crazy, but, uh, mm. um, so, uh, Border Patrol doesn't surprise me, I mean, like, uh, it's coming off the success of its movie, I think, and uh, the fact that people still, you know, here's the thing about this, like, I don't know if I actually mentioned this on the show, I actually did watch Border Patrol the movie, uh, just out of, just out of passing, and, uh, just out of interested to see why it was snubbed for the, um, the, the Academy Awards, and, uh, I'm it's like, it's, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it was going to win the Oscars, but, I mean, I'm quite surprised it was snubbed for a nomination. I mean, it sort of it kind of reminded me a little bit of Power Rangers a little bit at some point. So, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it would have been really interesting if 
a Nick Jr. preschool show would have been nominated for the Oscars. But, you know, like, uh, Pearl Patrol, the movie, didn't really, you know, I, I looked at this as, like, you know, someone who is a fan of films, and, like, someone who's, like, well, I watched Encanto, watched, you know, all the Pixar films, all the DreamWorks films, pretty much, at this point. And uh, I kind of, like, you know, put, turned on my brain on those things and kind of compared what Pearl Patrol, the movie, would have been to all the other movies that we've looked at, you know, for the last 33 years, pretty much. And, you know, Pearl Patrol, the movie, doesn't wrong foot. I mean, like, it progresses a story uh, of one of the main characters. It uh, introduces a, a, a more of a threat in the antagonist and uh, to the area itself, and uh, it takes our characters out of the old elements and puts them in the new elements, puts them in a the bigger city. Uh, and that. And so, I mean, like, in regards to where, I mean, this Paw Patrol movie has a reason to exist pretty much, in regards to its content. And uh, I know a lot of people here watching this, you know, listening to this podcast are not a fans of Paw Patrol, but, you know, we probably are fans of Paw Patrol. <laughs> Shout out if you are. But uh, in regards to, like, you know, Nickelodeon expanding the Paw Patrol, you know, series, I mean, they've got a reason to do it. Like, it's like, it's one of their biggest shows. And also Dora the Explorer, <laughs> even though we're going to be talking about Dora the Explorer a little bit <laughs> later on in our spoiler section in regards to the Owl House. But, uh, I mean... Um, People might actually be sick of Dora the Explorer and probably don't like it as a concept, but it's still successful and still, you know, is, has a reason to kind of be there. And uh, But it makes me wonder, like, uh, are Nickelodeon uh, expanding their Nick Jr. Uh, selections in in, in in doing that, uh, kind of like neglecting, you know, the average Nickelodeon fan in doing so? You know, because uh, obviously yeah, Face, Face is coming back for the... crying out loud. So. Yeah, I mean, they are getting to the, the, the two to six year old demographic, which is great. But remember that you have to uh, there's also the other demographic you have to worry about, like the seven to 11 year olds. Yeah. I mean, how long has Nick Jr. been around for now? Like, it's, it's, it's been, um, around, it's been, been around, around for a while. Yeah, they, they've been around since the 80s. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, well, it, according to this, it officially launched in uh, when, when did Nick Jr. officially launch? Um, well, you remember that uh, when Nickelodeon first started, I mean, they were catering towards a preschool audience uh, back when it was like um, around the cube um, when they had it as cube back in Columbus, Ohio, they were airing shows like Pinwheel and Hocus Focus and um, even with like earlier shows such as Today's Special. Uh, they were catering to a preschool audience back then, and yeah. then they started expanding their stuff over to older audiences around the early to mid-80s. I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but according to, uh, I mean, I'm just doing some lazy research here, but apparently the block itself started in 1980, 1988. So it started, yeah. the, the actual block started in the 80s, but it didn't officially become a channel until like 2009. If, um, right, uh, if yeah, that, that is very, that, that does sound correct, because... Um, Nick Jr. would be airing like really early in the morning and then towards like the late morning or the early afternoon Nickelodeon would be airing and then around the late evening there'll be uh, Nick at Night. Yeah, but uh, you know like uh, 12 years of, of being a channel like that's nothing to scoff at. Like, you know, if, if uh, Nick Jr. was like a colossal failure, it wouldn't be kept going for that long. You know, so yeah, I think exactly. uh, I guess they, they've seen, uh, you know, I'm sure they've seen the ratings and I'm sure they've seen uh, everything that goes into it and uh, the uh, what the feedback is from audiences. So I can't imagine that uh, if they still feel that Nick Jr. is one of their is pretty much as strong as the Nickelodeon brand officially, then, of course, they're going to put more more, you know, uh, more beef on it. I probably imagine. 
So exactly, yeah, and uh, I mean it's apparent when we have all of these um, shows from Nick Jr. that are being featured, like as we said, the Baby Shark animated series, Blues Clues and You, Paw Patrol, and uh, Dora the Explorer is coming back with two shows, a CG animated series that is like for the preschool audience, and then there's the live action show based off of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, um, so I, I mean, you, like you, other... you can kind of understand why people are disappointed because obviously, you know, people in our in our uh, what our eighteen to uh, like thirty four demographic here that listen to this listen to this podcast do not watch Nick Junior unless they have kids of their own. But uh, exactly. and also, also on top of that, I don't think they're going to be too happy to hear that Baby Shark is going to be you know uh, coming back. Not only now uh, as the show existed itself, but now with celebrity guests. Yeah. And not to mention that another reason why, you know, um, Nickelodeon fans are really upset is that um, even though that there were announcements of um, more episodes of Middlemost Post, which a lot of people have said that, oh, it's a very overlooked show, but um, no mention of It's Pony, which is another Nickelodeon show that a lot of people seem to really like. Uh, No mention of Glitch Text. No mention of Rise of the TMNT Movie, which the show was abruptly canceled. And um, no new announcements of any brand new shows that a lot of people are, like, really excited about. Uh, You know, there is going to be a new Transformers animated series. There's going to be uh, shows based off of, uh, I think, Big Nate is their newest Nickelodeon show. And that's based off of a popular book series. Um, But as for, like, any, like, fresh new shows, you know, that were created by um, animators who have, like expanded new ideas not really they're just focusing more on franchise properties and even brian robin said in his um discussion of all of these new shows saying we didn't stop doing everything we could these last two years to keep moving forward with this beloved brand and strong business and to make sure we were giving kids and families the very best stories and the most relatable characters during a hard period of uncertainty as consumer behaviors and the family dynamics shifted we went all on meeting kids on every platform that they're embracing especially on paramount plus where our considerable library and originals such as camp coral spongebob's under years star trek prodigy and big nate have been driving significant audiences to the platform at the same time we kept a stronger focus on linear long-standing favorites such as danger force and new hits such as the patrick star show that have kept owning the top shows and the overall kids two to two to eleven space for nine years and counting. So yeah, because this stuff is really, really popular and a lot of people are very familiar with these franchises, such as with SpongeBob and with, um, you know, uh, Star Trek and with um, all these other shows, it's like, yeah, familiarity means more people are going to tune into it. And unfortunately, the stuff that is brand new, like Middlemost Post and It's Pony and uh, various other shows, are just not really gravitating to a lot of audiences because yeah, well, they don't it, have the give, give it give it a, give it a couple of months before everyone starts tuning out. You know, like it's just it's uh, people are getting sick of this stuff now. You know, like uh, people want, people want something new, and or they basically want some of their uh, other things back. You know, like uh, I mean, look at I mean, all the fans of Middlemost Post. I mean, like uh, they've all got uh, something to be really worried about because they're expecting an announcement of another season, and that's not come around. Well, they, they already have another season. It's Pony is the one that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, well, um, really, I thought it was the other way around. I thought. Uh... Well, I mean, I know that Middlemost Post was announced that they're going to be having a second season, which a lot of people are excited about. 
But as for like its pony, I mean, I most people um, do are are familiar with it. Uh, but unfortunately, there's no new announcements on its pony. It says right here, Middlemost Post. It'll be announcing it'll be having its second season with 13 episodes. Parker, Agnes, and Russell will set sail for the most turbulent adventure yet in season two of Middlemost Post. Jam-packed with heart, humor, and unwavering friendship, the Middlemost Post will do anything that they can do to deliver mail with their unusual habits of Mount Middlemost. Along the way, they'll enter Greenwood's secret wrestling competition, discover one of Bert's new talents, befriend a mysterious mountain recluse, and meet Lily's family for the very first time. So yeah, another show that a lot of people really like, uh, It's Pony, has not been announced for new episodes, which a lot of people are really upset about. And um, as for like Glitch Text, which is a show that was put up on Netflix that a lot of people were surprisingly really fan, uh, a lot of fans of, was also not giving new episodes. And Rise of the TMN T, which is um, going to be having a movie, no new announcements about this yet. So the the news that fans have been wanting to hear about didn't really get announced. And so now people are just like questioning about Brian Robbins, where it's like he's just relying on brands to make money for Paramount. So, eh, well, we'll just see what happens maybe later on. But it's not looking good for Nickelodeon right now. And to all the uh, new age Nickelodeon fans who uh, are getting disappointed for the first time, well, now you know how we feel that decade after decade after decade. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. All right, so moving on, let's go over to some Disney news. So recently it was announced that the top 15 most streamed shows on Disney+, Plus, uh, according to the uh, quarterly one statistics, has been released. And um, a lot of it is not too surprising, and some of others have been surprising. Are you ready for the top 15 shows, babe? I was about to ask, you know, are we actually going to do a top 15, actually, and uh, which is going to be... Uh... <laughs> You know, equivalent to the modern day, I think, actually, thinking about it. So, All right. uh, yeah, Here okay. We Here we go. Yeah, these are the these are the most streamed animated TV shows according to the Q1 2022 statistics. So here we go. Number 15 is Gravity Falls. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's not surprising. And uh, even to this day, even though well, Gravity Falls ended like uh, a long time ago, people still are holding out for the fact that there might be another season. For Gravity Falls, yeah. and uh, I blame that on the fact of the way that they ended it. You know, like uh, they left it at the point where you know uh, Wendy writes Dipper the note, and he opens the note and he says, "See you next summer." And so I think uh, that's what people are holding out on. I think at the moment, but uh, I think uh, it, mind you, we'll go into the spoiler section. I think for my other theory that so uh, we might see uh, Gravity Falls again, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. All right then, number fourteen is Amphibia. Again, like uh, one of I think their strongest cartoons. I think that uh, Nick, sorry Disney Plus has currently got going for it. I mean, uh, anyone who is yet to get a Disney Plus subscription, I would definitely say started Amphibia. I think at that mm-hmm. point, like uh, you know, it's a, it's a great show uh, on its last season. I think so. Obviously, we're coming to uh, the end of it, but uh, will we get spin-offs? Will we get something else? Uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Uh, number 13 is Muppet Babies, and we're referring to the new Muppet Babies, not the old one from the 80s. I think the controversy, I think, is driving this, but again, like, it's 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 Fox controversy because, you know, Gonzo was cross-dressing a long way before all of, uh, you know, what you're seeing here in the, in the new in the new show, so his, this characteristic from him is not new. 
So I think maybe a lot of people are probably tuning into it because it has it is a really good show. I think a lot of people are also just kind of gawking at it, kind of wondering what all the all the, all the fuss is about. Probably well, we imagine. Yeah. Uh, and also, that show just recently ended too. So um, I don't know if it's all up on Disney Plus, but if you, if it is, then yeah, I check it out. I mean, it was nominated for a few Annies, and also um, their last episode was, uh, from what I've seen on, as a clip, was a huge homage to the classic uh, Muppet Show from the '80s, which was actually pretty cool. That's awesome. And uh, this yeah. is the thing with Muppet Babies, like it has so many possibilities and potential. So like, uh, it's uh, definitely a very you know in intelligent show, and uh, also you know a very uh, unpredictable show. I think in that regard too. Like, uh, do I say it kind of stands up to the uh, the the nineteen you eighties? Know, uh, version um i don't know like i've not like probably seen muppet babies like back to back so i would have to uh i think you and i probably have to sit down and watch both shows and kind of come to a conclusion of whether one's better than the other yeah i mean uh, i you know one of the things that i still would love to do as a podcast is just look back on some muppet shows and movies because uh they're, I love them, the Muppets so much, so I definitely need to give them the proper um, re recognition they deserve. Yeah. The one thing I'm a bit dreading, though, is that uh, somewhere down the line, people are going to be asking us, uh, what do you think of, like, you know, the, the, the classic animated Disney movies compared to the live-action movies? Those are the ones I'm dreading the most, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know I have to do it eventually because I'm going to be running out of Disney-era movies, so... Oh, well, good luck uh, to you. We'll see... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it out of my own volition. Well, well, you're 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 uh, doing enough as it is, babe. So you're fine. I'm All safe. Right, so number twelve. Your number twelve is uh, the ghost of Molly McGee. Um, again, you know, uh, I think we've been we've been treated to like you know, oh, hey, you got to tune into the next episode to see what's going on, kind of like theme for like the last you know, good couple of shows. It's nice to have, like, you know, just a silly, uh, you know, episodic show, which, you know, does have, like, you know, a continuing story arc, but at the same time, like, you don't have to, like, you know, you, you can miss a couple of episodes and kind of still understand what's going on. And uh, I think that's what was Molly McGee's got good going for it. And uh, I'm quite surprised, like, what, is number 12, did we say? It is, or... Uh, number 12, number yeah. Number 12, yeah, like, uh, I thought it would be in the top 10. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we'll continue on. So number 11 is Disney Junior Puppy Dog Pals. Uh, well, given the fact that uh, they, got, they need something to compete with Paw Patrol, I think uh, I think, they, I think they found it, I guess. But uh, again, not in the top 10, so uh, we'll see how long well, that lasts. Well, uh, don't worry, because we have another dog-themed show that a lot of kids are really into, which uh, is number 10, Bluey. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I've not seen Bluey, so I can't really comment. Yeah, number nine is Big City Greens. Yeah, uh, shout out to Steve Lauer, by the way, um, doing some really good artwork for that show. Uh, yeah, so, I've yeah. seen I've seen uh, the 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 first two seasons, and yeah, it's a really really funny, charming, and very um, surprisingly um, poignant show at times. Uh, where it's about like this family who it was from the countryside and they move over to the city because their farm was failing, and they go through a lot of zany adventures. And yeah, it's a, it's a really really good show, and uh, you know it's becoming really popular because it's getting its fourth season. And it's going to be having a movie soon, so yeah, they're they're really banking on Big City Greens now. Yeah, but Big City Greens is a down to earth show, which uh, it is. So, which uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the movie goes. 
when you really think about it. Yeah, because like yeah. uh, even then, you know, when when Hey Arnold the movie was first was first uh, you know announced, and uh, we were kind of sitting there like, oh wow, well Hey Arnold's quite a you know down to earth you know um, you know show. You know, obviously there was the thing with the parents, and we thought that was what was going to be. You know, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't get that till like several decades later. But uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, um, when you get movie announcements like this, it's like oh wow, like uh, this is a really down to earth show. I mean, where. Where I mean, they got up the ante for the movie. Like, where are they going to go with it? Like, you know, mm. well, Paw Patrol the movie makes sense because obviously there's some there there is some action that you can stick into there to uh, to uh, you know uh, put in more you know possibilities with your uh, with your characters. I mean, uh, uh, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants the movie makes sense because obviously you know, there's so many zaniness, any directions you can go into. But you know, like Big City Green's the movie that that that's um it, it's not necessarily exciting. It's more intriguing, if anything. So, but, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like the Bob's Burgers movies. Like that show is a uh, down-to-earth slice of life comedy. Uh, so it, that's going to be having a movie in May. So I'm actually really curious about how they're going to do it. It's kind of like saying King of the Hill. The mo- I mean, did King of the Hill ever have a movie? I don't think it ever no, did. No, they never did. Wow. Like, nope. uh, how would King of the Hill the movie kind of pan out? That'd be interesting. I don't know. That that'd be I. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, especially since I've been hearing rumors lately about like King of the Hill coming back. So if it gets popular enough, maybe we will have a movie. Yeah, you would think that. Do you remember the episode when they traveled to Vietnam and uh, to go meet uh, they, like they went his, to Japan? Oh, went to Japan. Sorry, to meet his half brother. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and then they, you would thought that would have been like you know uh, grounds for like you know a theatrical script. That story alone one you think yeah yeah exactly yeah because there's a lot of history with uh japan for cotton hill because uh you know he was in the war and he killed 50 men and you know his shins were blown up with a japanese shotgun and uh, it was a machine machine gun yeah 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 so yeah i mean i i thought that maybe there could have been like a possibility of a movie you know taking place in japan but no they decided to do it as a two-part uh series uh you know episode on the series so yeah Yeah. thinking about that should have been a movie that would have been interesting. That would have been really interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, number eight is Phineas and Ferb. Oh, again, like Phineas and Ferb is a is a is a juggernaut. It's got so many fans. It's uh, got so many great episodes, and uh, it's got yes. one of like you know probably like one of the best ships in uh, in, in Di- you know for Disney, and uh, it nearly never happened. Like you know, it went back and had to reanimate it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, like, uh, it was, uh, yeah, Phineas and Ferb is a really, not just the, the, the show itself, but the story behind the scenes is actually really interesting as well. So I would ch- say everybody check it out top to bottom, you know? Yeah, it's very inspiring. Uh, very similar to Molly McGee in which, like, oh, um, we're pitching it to this show that we're working on. They didn't want to pick it up. And so we had to wait another, what, like 15 years for it to happen. And then it becomes, like, this huge hit. So, yeah, I mean... Just goes to show you, you know, never give up on your dreams. Mm-hmm. All right. Number seven is J- Disney Junior Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Um, well, anything with Mickey Mouse on it, I think, is definitely going to be successful, I think, in the Disney brand, because Disney will not let Mickey Mouse fail. So, like... Exactly. I'm trying to think. Well, what's, uh, what has had the Mickey Mouse character in it, but has not... has? Um, I'm trying to think uh, what... But has not really, like, you know... Um, not been looked fondly on. Uh, I'm trying to think, actually. I mean, like, uh, you can say, like, the old, older cartoons, which have, like, you know, kind of racist overtones to them. I think you can really say that. Uh, but uh, they're products of their time, I guess you could say. 
But, uh, I mean, in regards to anything recently, I think, with Mickey Mouse, I don't think there's anything that they've done that uh, with Mickey in it that uh, hasn't has not been good. So. Yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of anything because, you know, uh, when it comes to, like, Mickey Mouse, you have the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, you have uh, House of Mouse, you even have, you know, the Mickey Mouse Club itself with, like, various kids who are part of this club. I, I I can't think of anything at the moment. I don't know. Like, even when people make fun of Mickey Mouse, like even then he looks... I mean, mind you, there's probably... The, the, there, was, there was that awful drawn-together movie, I guess you could say. That was... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, 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 mind you, that was officially that, Disney. Disney but, then, but then again, like, uh, you know, you, you remember when uh, South Park Parody did, you know, Mickey Mouse as the Disney Corporation in their cartoon? Even then, he's a hilarious character. When you That's think true, about it. yeah. So, I mean, like, can, I, can anyone actually do anything wrong with Mickey Mouse thinking about it? I mean, obviously, you know, there was that, uh, wasn't there that, 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 that oh, what was it, it was, uh, that, mo that, that, that movie where Disney's like, yeah, sorry, Mickey Mouse is walking through hell? Like, never got officially released or anything like that. What? Like, uh, there, there was, yeah, like, um, I, there, there's some kind of, like, you know, uh, urban legend about it. Or something like that. Apparently, never heard of that. Apparently, I've never heard apparently of that. They, they, they added to, like, you know, a closed audience. Apparently made a lot of people depressed. Um, oh or something God. like that. I, I don't know. Something along those lines. But uh... I mean, the, the the only thing that I can think of in terms of like, oh yeah, this is based off of Disney, and it was really horrible. Was like, um, uh, there was like that one movie. I forgot what it's called, but um, it was about a family who were forced to go over to Disney World because they wanted to make their kids happy, and uh, the parents were on the brink of divorce, and they were hating each other and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it was like. Um, going to um Tomorrowland or Wonderland or something like that. I don't remember what it's called, but I heard about that. But I don't know about anything regarding Mickey Mouse that was like universally hated. So maybe we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, hang on, let's I'm move just, on. I'm just uh, yeah, go on. All right, so I'll, I'll, while you look that up, uh, I'll I'll read off the rest of the list. Uh, number six is Disney Random Rings. Um, can't really say I've seen it. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's supposed to be about, like, um, some Disney characters such as Do Dr. Doofenshmirtz and Cricket Green and um, Launchpad McQuack would just make random phone calls to people while they're at work. Hmm. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't say I've seen seasons. it. Yeah. Anyway, number five is Disney Junior's Alice Wonderland Bakery. No. I think we'd definitely say it's better than, uh, what was it, uh, what was that live-action Bell uh, one that, uh, Sing Me a Story with Bell, something like that? Oh, yeah, Singing a Story with Bell, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we can say it's better than that. Yeah, and also um, Bell's Magical World. Oh, wasn't that, like, the three parts of movie that... We yeah, that was the four-part movie that was supposed to be a pitch for an animated series that never happened. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we can always say yeah. it's better than that. Yeah, for sure. Moving on. Number four is the Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. You know, um, I heard a lot of noise about Louder and Prouder, like at the very beginning, but then since then, it's kind of pitted out. Like, uh, I don't really, I don't really see people talking about it, unless, uh, unless I'm just like not paying attention. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen a lot of people talking about it either. I mean, it's like the first week and uh, even before, like, with the promotion, it's like I've been seeing it on social media everywhere. But ever since, uh, I would say, like, the first two weeks, it's like it's been kind of quiet. You're right. I mean, like, uh, its last tweet, like, on the official, like, Louder and Prouder, like, tag was, like, on the 23rd of March. 
Yeah, it was just only a few days ago. So I don't. I mean, I, maybe like we're not part of like the 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 mainstream fandom. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've been seeing a lot of people talking about the other shows, and those have been really hot on social media. But not this show. And I'm like, oh, I I hope that um you know, more people are tuning into it because I heard some really good stuff about it. Yeah, like, uh, but, uh, you know, like, every time, I mean, because, uh, is, is London Productions on Disney Channel, like, when they air new episodes, or is it, like, just exclusively on Disney Plus? It is exclusively on Disney Plus. Oh, right, so are they just, like, releasing it, like, in blocks, or, like, they're releasing it episode by episode? Yeah, every... they're, they're releasing it on a weekly basis. Oh, they are, so, okay. I'm really surprised, like, because, you know, every time, you know, the Owl House or Amphibia, you know, gets released i mean uh immediately it goes like toh spoilers or it starts trending or like amphibia starts trending or something like related to the episode starts trending but uh, as far yeah, as i'm well, aware that's, that's because they are airing on disney channel and so that then they can be able to do that well as opposed to like the proud family in uh, louder and prouder if you have a disney plus account you can watch it but if you don't you can't but then like but then you know even when it's not airing on disney channel it still gets released on disney now at, like two o'clock in the morning or something stupid like you know so people yeah, exactly. are watching it before then so you'd think that when the the, the episode of louder and prouder drops you'd think that's you know that would put a blip on the social media radar somewhere but as far as i'm aware it hasn't yeah you're right I mean, I guess maybe they're just waiting for, like, a big episode to air. Once a big episode airs, I'm sure a lot of people will be talking about it. But then, maybe, by comparison, you could say every Amphibia and every Owl House episode is a big episode. Not to say that they're wrong, but, uh, I mean, just compared to where we are with Louder and Prouder, it's like, uh, well, you can definitely tell which, out of the three, which ones are the, are the two bigger shows, at least at the moment. Sure. Well, maybe maybe when um, you know things start picking up, I'm sure that people will be talking about it some more. Yeah. And by the way, I'm really glad that Louder and Proud is back on the air. So, like, uh, you know, it's just, it's uh, you know, and also the fact that it's uh, got quite a good, good, decent backing for it. So, I mean, long, long may it continue. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, number three, we have Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Of course. Like, uh, I mean, uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars is like a huge series. So like yes. uh, you know, people, people are definitely tuning in, and uh, not just that. Like uh, most other Star Wars stuff, people are really getting into as well. Like you know, uh, there's uh, there's the Bad Batch as well, I believe. Yeah, the Bad Batch, the Mandalorian, yeah. and uh, yeah, a lot of other Star Wars properties are are all on Disney Plus. Yeah, my biggest fear though, we like you know the Star Wars stuff and the Marvel stuff all kind of like expanding off into their own worlds is like you know uh, once I'm done with like you know all the Disney animated series, you know where where do I start? Like you know trying to catch up with it all. You know, like, how long is it going to take me to get through all that stuff? You know, like, am I pretty much perpetually stuck on Disney Plus for the foreseeable future at this point? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Marvel, number two is Marvel's Spidey and his amazing friends. Not to be confused with Spider-Man and his amazing friends from the 80s. What do you see? The toy commercials are on all the time. Do you notice? Like, yes, uh, yeah, I Yeah, so, like, Spidey's, Spidey's huge at this point. And, uh, you know, and it's going to keep getting bigger, too, because now we've got, like, another movie on the way. Yep. So. Yeah. Even I mean, after <laughs> I, I'm not too surprised considering on the recent Spider-Man movie that a lot of people are just like crazy for Spider-Man. We have Spider-Man across the you know uh, what was it Spider-Verse that's going to be coming out this year, and Spider-Man No Way Home was like a huge hit in theaters. So yeah, people are going to be tuning into that. Mm -hmm. And finally, number one, and this is not a shocker, The Simpsons. Well, yeah. I mean, like. Uh... Uh, it used to be the number one cable hit, and now it's uh, now the number one Disney Plus hit because you know times have changed, and uh, so yeah. and uh, yeah. But what I understand, I mean, didn't you tell me that this, this, these episodes of The Simpsons are actually getting better now? 
from what, from what I I've been told, yes. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I've got to be honest. I've not really sat down and probably watched The Simpsons since Who Shot Mr. Burns. So like yeah. it's uh, and also of what I've seen the occasional like other episode. I mean like there was someone who taught there was someone who tried to talk me to like see uh, new episodes of The Simpsons again. But uh, the one that they told me to actually kind of sit down was watch it was uh, Lisa Goes Gaga, which is considered oh. like the worst <laughs> Simpsons episode ever. So they asked me to come back to watch The Simpsons and they sit me in front of like the worst episode ever. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, yep, I'm done. Like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> The Simpsons was good, like, probably from from 1 to 9, but everything else, no. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, well. Okay, so, yep, that is the top 15 most streamed shows on Disney+, Plus uh, according to the uh, quarterly um, post. So, yeah, maybe when the quarterly 2 post, po po um, you know, it, it gets released, maybe we'll talk about that. But that won't be until June, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we'll go over to our next bit of news. So LeBron James is inducted into the Razzie Hall of Fame. Uh, well, before, won... before that, I thought we were going to go to uh, Metroid Dread, Dread being oh, the yeah, number one best-selling game. Dread, yeah, so... <laughs> Let's start with the good news first. Okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough. So Metroid Dread is currently the number one best-selling game in the franchise in the UK. So... Yeah, I, I think that that's actually pretty awesome to considering that. I mean, how big is Metroid in the UK? Well, compared to everyone still playing Mario Kart, I mean, uh, Metroid Dread is definitely like the game that people definitely do flip to. So Metroid Dread definitely is a thing. But uh, I think in social circles, I mean, obviously because Metroid Dread is just like a single player campaign, I think obviously people are like, you know, going away back home to like play it. But uh, most people I know who have Nintendo Switches who bring them like to like, you know, workplaces, for example, or like, you know, just, uh, you know, meetups or anything like that. Everyone plays Mario Kart, pretty much. So, uh, the, compared to Mario Kart, it's not as big as that, but uh, Metroid Dread is definitely people's minds right now. Yeah, I would say that when it comes to, like, Metroid, it's not up there in terms of Zelda or Mario or even Pokemon in terms of, like, popularity. Well, not and yet. Mainstream. Not yet. <laughs> I think uh, if Me Metroid Dread is is creating the buzz and also the fact that we might be getting more Metroid in the future, like, uh, you know, watch this space, everybody. Like, you know, Metroid could definitely be a thing going forward, I think. And also, uh, we still yet to have uh, Metroid Prime 4, you know, kind of drop on us yet. So, like, uh, we're still waiting on news on about that at the moment. And the fact that Retro Studios are getting back involved is kind of like, yeah, this is... the Metroid's got a good, good couple of years in front of it, I think, at the, at the moment, I think. Yeah, if Metroid Prime 4 is able to live up to the hype. Well, um, there's no... I mean, with Retro Studios involved, I can't see why it won't. I guess that's true, yeah. I mean, especially since a lot of people have been waiting for this game for almost five years. So, yeah. I mean, especially when we were told that uh, the studio that was working on it originally, uh, when they were, you know, like, done with, like, uh, almost, like, half the game, and then Nintendo was like... Uh, that's not up to our standards. We're going to call Retro Studios and we're going to start the whole thing over from scratch. Yeah. It almost kind of oh, yeah. reminds me... Remember when they were going to do... Um, uh, what was it? Like, I think the third Toy Story movie, I think it was. And uh, they ha they weren't going to do it with Pixar. They were going to do it with somebody else. And, yeah, uh, then... I remember. If you remember, that was going to be like the, the, the division where they were going to be releasing some stuff um, in a completely different... Um, 
you know, studio, they were going to do their version of Toy Story 3, their version of Monsters, Inc. 2, and their version of Finding Nemo 2, and their storylines were completely different. Yeah, isn't there some eerie similarities kind of like going on here? Like, uh, here's uh, another Metroid Prime game that uh, is going to be done by a different studio and uh, is going to be radically different, and then all of a sudden, like, they realized how awfully different, different it was, and then they got the original people back involved. And yeah. they said, yeah, do, please do this. <laughs> you know, and Nintendo <laughs> are pulling a Pixar right now, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, so. imagine what world we would live in if, um, you know, Metroid Dread was done by another company that wasn't Met- Retro Studios or N- Nintendo. I mean, I'm sure that they probably would have done a decent job, but according to, like, Nintendo standards, they weren't good enough, so... Yeah, we'll just see what happens. Well, if Video Benguedo did a did a video game division, I think we definitely know what type of quality we'd be getting. But uh... Uh, yeah. Anyway, so it says right here that um, uh, in the UK, this is um, their best-selling 2D entry, but it's the third best-selling Metroid game overall because it is behind Metroid Prime 3: Corruption and the original Metroid Prime. And uh, currently, um, Metroid Dread has sold 854,000 units uh, in, as of uh, October 2021. And the games that were are still really popular in the UK that has beaten Metroid Dread are Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, Zelda Skyward Sword HD, Monster Hunter Rise, and new Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Um, again, um, give it time. Metroid is definitely going to be on everyone's minds, I think, uh, you know, going forward. And uh, no doubt they're going to be looking forward to future Metroid games. I think no doubt there's going to be another Metroid Dread game, I think, somewhere down the line. And, uh, you know, no doubt there's going to be Metroid Prime 4. And uh, then no doubt they'll probably look at uh, doing other Metroid-related uh, material in the future. And, uh, you know, like, uh, one thing I really would like to see is uh, a Metroid movie. Like, uh, Ooh, you know, did, you, did you see the the video on Digino Gaming regarding about that they wanted to do a Metroid movie around uh, when Metroid Prime was out, but because Nintendo was um, very adamant about like, oh, you know, this is this this is about uh, Metroid. Well, okay, well, and then the 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 movie studio was like, okay, what's the story? And they were like, uh. Uh, it's about a female bounty hunter, and she goes to a planet, and she kills off aliens and they were like well what what else you know what's her motivation what's this what's that and they they literally couldn't answer it and because they had not a lot of material to work with the movie was canceled exactly like uh, i mean given now we know a lot more about samus's backstory uh at this point like uh, that's grounds for like saying oh hey you know hollywood you know we've got a story here it's like you know it's uh it's got a nice looking uh you know female a female actress can play her you know like it's just it's yeah. uh, it's all there, pe- people. Like you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I can't see why they couldn't do it. You, they couldn't bring up that conversation again. And mind you, like imagine if the Mario movie does really well. Like a Nintendo, like can be like, well, Sonic the Hedgehog's done really well, and uh, now we're doing really well with the Mario movie. Hey, you know, like uh, let's look at all our other IPs and let's see what else we can release on theaters. Yeah, I mean, I but however, I think that if Mario becomes a success. And we already know that the Donkey Kong movie is going to be coming up afterwards. I think that the next movie that they'll do is going to be Zelda. Mm. Well, they've been teasing Zelda for a while, but then I think it comes back to, like, well, what Zelda do you do? 
Like, uh, I mean, uh, I've always... Because some people, like think, oh, maybe they should do A Link to the Past, or do they do Ocarina of Time, or do they do Majora's Mask? Like, you know, like, uh, what... What 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 Zelda story do you tell, or do you just uh, say, oh well, these don't tie in with the games, and uh, we're just going to come up with our own Zelda, you know, movie kind of like you know, and it will have like Ganon as like the you know the antagonist, and it will have like other people from the games, but it will be its own story entirely, and also it will be a prequel like every other Zelda game. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll go into the Skyward Sword or Breath of the Wild direction. Who knows? Maybe, well, here's the thing: maybe they might just go on their own ta- own tangents, like, and they'll just yeah, make maybe, references maybe to the other games. One. You're right. Because when you think about it, like it would make sense because every other uh, Zelda game has basically been its own contained story. When you think about it, like uh, I think uh, the only other sequels I can think of, and maybe I'm going to be wrong here, but uh, I mean Majora's Mask was somewhat like a continuation of the Zelda 64 story if you will, yeah. and then uh, Breath of the Wild soon will have its own, like, well, mind you, they have their own spin-off games, and then they've also had, like, uh, you know, they got the sequel coming up soon. So there's that. So um, I don't really see um, many other games that have had, like, follow-on stories, and uh, maybe I could be... T- I mean, they've had, like, side-by-side stories, I think, but uh, in regards to everything else, you know, I, I don't think it's... Um, I think the the movie, I think itself, will be its own contained, you know, thing that uh, uh-huh. like all the other games are. That's just my opinion. Right. Yeah. So um, as for um, you know, a future movie for Metroid, or even more games after Metroid Prime Four, I mean, we'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah. I would be opposed to a TV series. Would you? Yeah, I would love it if it was like an animated series, kind of like what they've been doing in recent years with like Castlevania and um, even the Arcane, you know, even people who are not League of Legends fans, you know, they're really get gravitating to Arcane. So I would love it if there was a, a Metroid um, animated series or maybe even a Metroid live action series. Who knows? Yeah, whatever you do, don't give it to Nickelodeon. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, absolutely How would you leave that up front? At least they give us something to be excited about. Exactly right. <laughs> oh, hey, Nintendo's t- partnering with uh, Nickelodeon to uh, do, a, do a Metroid series. Yeah. Oh, man, what kind of world would that be if we if that were to happen? Hmm. Anyway, so let's move on. So now we can talk about LeBron James. So, okay, so LeBron James, he won for Worst Actor in the 2022 Razzies for Space Jam, A New Legacy. Are we surprised? Nope. Yeah, like, I've not even seen A New Legacy, and I'm just kind of, like, sitting there, like, good grief. Like, uh, you know, um, the critics were right about this. Like, uh, this movie didn't even have the soul of the original Space Jam, even if Space Jam had one to begin with. Like, uh, keep this in mind, like, Space Jam originally spun off, uh, you know, uh, commercials featuring Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. And then it was just kind of like, oh, hey, let's put them in this basketball game. And uh, it has Michael Jordan in it, and he can somewhat woodenly act. And then you've got him interacting with, like, uh, pretty much the the mediocre version of the Looney Tunes at that point. You know, like, keep in mind, the Looney Tunes were kind of, like, had lost their edge at at this particular point in time. It wasn't like, you know, the Looney Tunes show that kind of, like, revamped all the characters, gave them a new style, and gave Lola Bunny, you know, more of a character to, uh, you know, for everyone to relate to. 
Like, you know, yeah. so uh, imagine even contemplating doing a follow up movie for this, and this ended up being a new legacy. And goodness gracious, they had to, ch- you know, just to get this concept off the ground, they had to chuck everything at it. You know, like, uh, there was, like, every single Warner Brothers, uh, you know, IP was pretty much thrown into this, pretty much. And even Rick and Morty even had to pretty much make an appearance. And uh, even the Rick and Morty fans weren't happy about that. You know, like, uh, this disappointed on so many levels. And even I'm sitting here as someone who has not watched it yet and even dreading one day having to be put in front of it. You know? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm dreading it, too. But, um... uh... Well, I mean, one day at a time, you know, one day at a time. But yeah, yeah. Um, um, in addition to winning the Razzies for um, Worst Actor, it also won the Razzie for Worst, uh, let me just see if I can, oh yeah, Worst Screen Couple and Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. However, it did not win Worst Picture because that winner went to the Princess Diana Broadway musical adaptation. Good grief. That, that sounds like a mess. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I, I didn't hear about that movie until, you know, it actually appeared at the Razzie, so I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with uh, that whole the whole mess but uh, uh, in regards to space jam i mean like uh, the razzie is pretty much just you know speak for itself like the fact that they've taken away three and uh, lebron james is like the, you know the, the head of it all is uh, i think mean, it just goes to show that this this movie should not have happened like uh, i'm pretty sure even you and i were like you know complaining that why are they thinking about this at the very beginning of all you know when we started when this started becoming a thing like, yeah, uh, you know. I I mean like um I know that they have been trying to do um uh, you know sequels or even different versions of Space Jam since the 2000s. We talked about this a long time ago. We talked about that they were going to do Skate Jam featuring Tony Hawk. They were going to do Golf Jam featuring Tiger Woods and None of them panned out. None of them got picked up. And maybe Space Jam A New Legacy, maybe it should have been the case in which that wasn't going to be picked up. But because of nostalgia, a lot of people were, you know, really excited about it. And then it turned out to be a disappointing for a lot of people. They're probably more track, you know, we're probably resurrecting cartoon All-Stars to the rescue than doing a Space Jam sequel. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Patricia, by the way, were talking about, <laughs> talking about that before. <laughs> Saying that, you know, imagine if there was like a modern day, you know, cartoon Oscars to the rescue. And it was like, it was, yeah, it would be too, it'd be too 90s to like, do it like on drugs and things like that. I don't know if they still do drug PSAs uh, you know, no, today. They, no. I mean, they, I do, I see a lot of vaping commercials, so they'll probably maybe do that. Well, anti-vaping. Uh, yeah, anti-vaping, yeah. Okay, then. Well, but they don't feature cartoon characters, do they? No. Oh, no, okay. they don't. Right. Yeah. So, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody out there is like, hey, vaping has become, you know, too uh, dangerous for, and too mainstream for the kids. You know, all these anti-vaping commercials aren't working out. So let's do a, a collaboration with um, all these cartoon characters and let's do an anti-vaping special. Yeah, good grief. And like you got uh, Joe Biden and his wife, like, you know, the very beginning of it all. Like, you like, uh, two of all, like, the, the, the people that kids are just not interested in seeing. Like it's just it's... yeah, they're just, they're just sitting down and waiting for like where's SpongeBob? <laughs> exactly, like uh, and then then SpongeBob comes on screen and uh, mind you, like could you imagine Patrick Star being in this in this thing? I guarantee he'd probably be the one who's probably encouraging people to vape. When you think about it, like he's such a terrible character. 
So oh like, my god. And then you probably have like a, who who would be who else would be in this? I guess you'd have I guess you probably have like you'd have to have a relatable characters, but mind you, they probably you know it's, it's called someone else goes to the rescue. So what am I talking about? Um, so they probably having like you know they would have like in all the SpongeBob people, and uh, then they probably have they probably have Baby Shark involved in there too. I probably oh my imagine. god. Would you would you would you put it past them if it was the same people? Would you put them past them to do that? Oh no. I mean, I know that they had the Muppet Babies in there as well, so it's like, yeah, I'm not too surprised. Oh yeah, that they the would Muppet have Babies would be involved in that. So I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who would be the wild card? I mean, Alf was kind of a wild card at that point because Alf was kind of like you know going down in popularity. I think at that point. So yeah, uh, he, was, he was. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think Garfield was still a thing. I think at that time. Well, yeah, you... Garfield was still a thing. Oh, God, Garfield's always been airing... a thing, hasn't he? When you think about it. Yeah, uh, but... yeah. Not only that, but also the comic strips, and also Garfield and Friends. So yeah, that's why Garfield was there. Yeah, and uh, but uh, who would have been the character they would have thrown in? It's kind of like, huh? Why, why is he there? Like you know, because Alf was kind of like at that point. I mean, like, who, who today? I mean, um, I guess you could say maybe. I mean, maybe it might be a bit cruel to say this, but maybe Star Butterfly, maybe. From like Starverse, a... wow! Starverse, the forces of evil. Interesting. Well, she's she's not in the, If we we've just been through like the top fifteen, you know, uh, cartoon characters of like twenty twenty two and Q one, and she's not in that list. So, True. Yeah. Yeah. So right. maybe he's kind of like, oh well, you know, her show ended ages ago. Why is she there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe she might be the uh, the wild card in all this. Maybe I don't know. But, Impossible. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that, uh, again, just going back to uh, the original point, like, uh, Space Jam, uh, you know, a, a rotten legacy, is what I call it. And now I call it Space Jam, a Razzie le legacy. That's probably going to be the episode, of the, oh the title of the episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's true, isn't it? Like, you know, like uh, this, this movie should not have existed. And, uh, nope. No, like, and it's just, you know, it, it deserves all those Razzie Awards as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't know about that Diana movie, but uh, good grief. And, uh, you know, I've just even, just, uh, just, as a, just as a joke, I would have put it in that, I would have given that, that Bruce Willis one as well. Like, uh, oh, yeah, where Bruce, Bruce Willis had his own category of worst Bruce Willis performances. Oh, man, that that guy seriously needs to retire. Yeah, it's just, it's, well, I mean, they're, they're throwing money in front of him. He's not going to say no. And, uh, uh, but still, it's like you have to have at least some ounce of dignity. Well, you'd think that, wouldn't you? But uh, yeah. mind you, like, uh, did you hear what Sylvester Stallone said about him recently? No, I, okay. uh, what did he say? Apparently, Bruce Willis was like the laziest actor he actually had to work with on the uh, when he was doing the um, one of the sequels to uh, the uh, the Expendables. Yeah. Oh no! I'm just sitting there, like, well, you know, dude, he is in his sixties. Like, you know, he is getting to that point where, you know, he is an old man. I mean, he can't really do action movies no more all that well. I mean, so what about Arnold Schwarzenegger? I mean, he and um, Stallone have been, like, best friends since the 70s. But, he, he, and... but that was before his heart issues, wasn't it? Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's acted in a movie since he actually came out of surgery. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's uh, too busy driving around his, uh, his uh, eco-friendly Hummer. Okay, but yeah, um, yeah. Don't don't expect a Space Jam three anytime soon, people. Uh, well, get, maybe in like maybe in tw in ten or twenty years again. 
I probably imagine. Like, uh, you know, people people will still be nostalgic for Space Jam. I'm hoping that maybe the, the greatest thing about the new Legacy is that it will now... I'm hoping that a new Legacy will be bad enough to put Space Jam to bed. But I guarantee you, I think there will still be some people who are still nostalgic for the original movie and will still look at the potential of there being a sale. So, I think... Uh, whether it's going to be, it definitely won't be LeBron James this, you know, the, in the next one coming around. But I think it'll be the it'll be the next latest basketball star. Like, uh, uh, who's who's NBA's rookie of the year at the moment? Uh, I don't know actually. Yeah, like uh, that's another thing as well. Like, you know, have you noticed that you know at the time, like uh, we would be talking about basketball quite a lot when there was a Space Jam movie that was out. That's one, that's one thing that the Space Jam did. It like it did actually kind of make us think about like you know uh, I was sort of into the Chicago Bulls at the time when you know yeah. when that came out so uh in a way like uh let me just have a look here who nba rookie of the year um 2020 i think i don't think the 2022 one's been done so i think so uh, oh, uh uh lamello ball of uh never he plays for the charlotte hornets never heard of him no well he's gonna be in the next base jam movie okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've heard it here first okay so, yeah <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. Can we talk about something so, yeah, good, got... please? Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay, so let's talk about some Avatar: The Last Airbender news. So there is actually a couple of them. So let's start things off with the fact that we're going to be having an update about the Avatar: The Last Airbender Netflix series. So. Uh, according to AvatarNews.co, Netflix's live-action Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1 will reportedly have a budget of more than $15 million per episode, which is totaling more than $210 oh, no, $120 million. So, yeah, that's a lot of money, considering that um, it's only going to have eight episodes. I mean, like, like can we definitely say it's Waterworld money? At this point, like it's like it's. Uh, I mean, I'll be interested to see what's on the screen when when it gets there, because uh, that's sort of kind of like what came to mind when we first started like looking at this story. Like you know the uh, the dreaded one hundred and seventy two million dollars that got poured into Waterworld, and uh, we got a lot of like you know um, overly extravagant scenery, but so we didn't necessarily get a good <laughs> get a good movie out of it. Yeah, so. and and they explained the reason why it has that kind of budget. Um, one big part is the use of a brand new custom-made virtual production volume, the largest of its kind of its cutting-edge technology in North America, but in conjunction with on-location filming. Very similar to The Mandalorian, it is planning on having its, um, they're putting their money where it's worth on the visuals. So, yeah, that, that should be really interesting. Imagine if they did a live-action version of The Owl House. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, that that, would they would probably be needing something like that to pull that off if they were going to be faithful to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, the, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys remember that um, even though it's going to be eight episodes of this uh, first season of Avatar The Last Airbender, they're going to be lasting for over an hour. And uh, according to um, some articles that we talked about a long time ago, that they're not necessarily going to stick very close to the animated series. They're going to go into some additional changes, like if we like we talked about before, where Katara is going to be the older sibling, where she's going to be 16, and Sokka is going to be 14, but Aang will still be 12, and Zuko is going to be 17 as opposed to being 16. 
And uh, yeah, and I and apparently with um. But are they still gonna line. are they still gonna ship uh, Ang and Katara? That's gonna be you know because there's gonna be I a massive know. there's gonna be a massive age difference there now. Yeah, mm. I mean, even though technically we know that Ang is a hundred and twelve. He's still a 12-year-old who's going to be possibly dating a 16-year-old. Yeah, uh, I just... Uh, well, I mean, given the fact that Aang is pretty much frozen in time, like, uh, you know, uh, we didn't think it was awkward for, like, Samurai Jack to be, like, you know, thrown into the future, and then, you know, suddenly he got with Ashi. So, like, you know, true, I, I, yeah. I, think, I think time at that point and, uh, was... Uh, it's not a viable factor, I think, when it comes to being frozen or, like, you know, being stuck or anything like that. Heck, you know, even, uh, uh what's, what's his face? Um, uh, well, what's his name? Um, uh, um, you know, he's, he's uh, the character from Red Dwarf, like, you know, he was, he, he was, like, frozen, he was, like, frozen in place for, like, a million years, and, like, <laughs> we don't say he's a million years old during the show. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, in regards to, um, well, this sounds really exciting. Like, uh, I'm interested to see how it's all going to look, you know, in the final product. And uh, but uh, at the same time, I think, uh, you know, not only, and also, it's a great thing that they decided that they're going to change the story up a little bit because, I mean, it's it's going to be exciting for people who've never seen Avatar before, who've never like grown up with like the original show. But uh, I just think that uh, for everyone like you, me, and all the other nerds who listen to this podcast, uh, are going to be hoping there's going to be something different. So I think yeah. uh, that, that's going to be good in the in the long run. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So next bit of Avatar news. So uh, there's going to be a brand new novel focusing on a different Avatar. So. As you guys know, that we had um, just completed the um, novel focusing on Avatar Kyoshi. And now we're going to be focusing on the Avatar that came before Kyoshi. Uh, well, I mean, technically it was before Kyoshi and Avatar Kuruk. We have the Dawn of Yang Chen, who was the airbender avatar that came before Aang. So uh, it's going to be coming out on July 19th. And it's titled The Dawn of Yang Chen. And it's going to be focusing more on the fact that she had to prove herself of being the Avatar in a time in which when um, things such as proving yourself was bought as opposed to being earned. So that should be really interesting considering that we're going like further, you know, like way back into the past than we've had been before. So, I mean, I we still have yet to see like um, a, a detailed comic um graphic novel discussion of the first avatar but i'm sure that we'll get to there at some point but yeah i mean we briefly saw yang chen in like the first part of the last episode of the series where she was talking to ang regarding about that it was his responsibility as the avatar to bring balance into the world and she approved of killing fire lord ozai so it did talk about in the um, uh, the description of the graphic novel that she had to um, stand out and, you know, be a major follow up to the previous avatar that she was um, that she, you know, that she was before and also that she had to earn her respect. So, yeah, I'm actually really curious about how that's going to turn out. Mm hmm. And imagine having to be like uh, and also if you remember in the uh, in, in the in the animated show that, uh, you know, Ang didn't want to kill the Fire Lord Ozai. He, he was like, he was, uh, you know, dreading actually having to do it. And so yeah. then he ended up finding the middle of like just saying, taking his bending away and then locking him away for, for the rest of his life. 
Yeah, much. exactly. So he was able to find a happy medium, but it took a long time for him to figure that out. And also with help from the lion turtle. So, yeah. yeah. But it gave intrigue, at least to the final fight. You know, it was a great, you know, device to throw in because you have Ang who is primed to stop the Fire Lord. But at the same time, um, you know, he's not going to kill him. So, but, you know, is it going to be, uh, are you wondering if the Fire Lord is going to drive Ang to the point where he feels like he has no choice? And then you just see all the, you know, all, all of the, you know, where the, the story just play out in that fight and, like, everything else. I mean, you, you, we can obviously say that Fire Lord Ozai is pretty one-dimensional as a, as a villain, I think. Uh, that's one complaint I think everyone has in regards to yeah, that. Yeah, like, I mean, doesn't... everybody says that Azula is the true villain of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, exactly, because she's got more dimensions to her character. While Fire Lord yes. Ozai is just like, you know, oh, I'm evil, grrr, you know, like, uh, here's some <laughs> fire. Like, you know, when you really think about it. And, uh, I mean, we'll get into the Our House discussion because I've mean, got some concerns about, you know, uh, a certain other villain about it with the same same issues. But uh, um, in regards to... That's one thing I was kind of hoping with, like, the new Avatar is that they give Fire Lord Ozai maybe a bit more background of, like, why is it that he's so, you know, demented in regards to, like, wanting to rule the entire world? Like, you know, what's what's the backstory here? Like, you know, uh, what what is it that's driving him to do this? You know, yeah, just, uh, I, I don't know. But the, this is what I, mean, I want the new story to tell us, like, if they're going to if they're going to yeah, do so. If there is if there is a graphic novel based off of Fire Lord Ozai to explain it, then I would love to read it. But on the new series that we just talked about before. No, like, you know, oh like, yeah, yeah, the the Netflix series. Exactly, sure. like if you know, you got if movie. if you got like a one hour per episode to play with, with like no ad breaks keep this in mind so you've got a long time to to you know to develop story you know like uh, that would be that would be grand if they went in that direction i agree yeah all right time to announce with avatar the last airbender they're going to be having a new board game so it's a board game that is uh, a cooperative and it takes place around the 100 year war like it was in the animated series so it's called avatar the last airbender fire nation rising it puts you in control of the world's destiny it involves with cards and dice to save the four nations as you fight for the earth air fire and water nations to prevail teams led by starting heroes will help you ang katara Sokka, toph and zuko lead the teams with their own dice pulls and special abilities having those characters on your side means you have a better chance at victory you have to complete objectives in order for you to be prepared to stop fire lord ozai so uh yes um the game uh it's uh, currently um gonna be out this summer and it'll cost 49.99 so if you're interested in that then um you know pick it up while you have the opportunity to do so you know what, while you've been doing and, um, that i've uh, i've actually done something really terrible whilst i've actually been trying to uh <laughs> is that uh, oh my goodness there is um, I was wondering if uh, Avatar The Last Airbender had its own Monopoly, and it does. Of course it does. <laughs> Everything is Monopoly. Oh, good grief. Also, uh, just recently, Avatar The Last Airbender currently has its own makeup kit. So, you know, if you want to, you know, flash the characters with, um, you know, air, you know, like air blue and fire red, then... Go ahead and well, do yeah, so. Shave I mean, off, I'm not one of those. Well, yeah, shave off all your hair and paint a uh, blue arrow down your down the middle of your but down the middle of your skull. <laughs> there yeah. you go. There you go. Go now. I'm going to be seeing all the makeup YouTubers do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for Avatar: The Last Airbender news for now. But I'm sure that there'll be more coming up in the future. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm.
All right, so now Chalk Zone Afterthoughts. This is going to be a quicker one considering that, Aaron, you never saw Chalk Zone. Well, up. one thing I want to ask, I mean, is Chalk Zone available on Paramount Plus? Yes, it is. Okay, then. Well, somewhere down the line, I've got to get my lazy backside and uh, get a subscription to Paramount Plus, and I've got to watch myself some Chalk Zone because I hear about this show all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, a, it's like I'm married to a fan or something. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because um, when the show premiered in 2002, it had, like, the biggest premiere at the time until, you know, The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius took it about a month later. And a lot of people, you know, really loved the show. They loved its creativity. And for anybody who's an artist or, you know, wants to dream of being in the animation industry, they really gravitated to how creative that the show is. It's like you get to draw anything you want and there's a whole world that's made out of chalk. So um, unfortunately, just like, uh, say it with me, Nickelodeon screwed it over by, you know, holding episodes and then releasing it until years later. So... Yeah, it got screwed over by the network pretty badly. And it wasn't until like a decade later when I saw a lot of people talking about it on Tumblr. And, you know, that's when, all, you know, the fan base started to grow into a more um, devoted cult following. And um, that's when I decided to invite Michael Cartoonish Weeb and Rebecca over to the podcast discussing about, you know, their personal reasons on why they wanted to uh, dedicate to do that chalk zone event and that's because um they just love the show growing up and you know I, I think it's just a show that a lot of people just really enjoyed i mean they enjoyed the creativity they enjoyed the characters they enjoyed the music and yeah there's there's a lot of things that a lot of people really enjoy i mean it's sure it's not going to be like um up there in terms of like fairly odd parents or danny phantom or even avatar in terms of like you know, this is the the one of the more popular shows that came out in the 2000s for Nickelodeon, but it still does have a dedicated fan base. By the way, did you know that uh, Guy Moon won a BMI Film and TV Awards for the show? Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's been nominated for two Annie Awards, uh, including Outstanding Achievements in Animated Television and Outstanding Storyboard in Animated Television Production. So. Yeah, so, yes, Guy Moon, you know, I mean, hugely... Um, you know, <clears throat> he was like everywhere around the 2000s where he did a lot of music for all these Nickelodeon shows. So, yeah, the fact that he was able to be oh, recognized. Would you say he was our, would you say he was, our, uh, um, you say he was like the 2000s version of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda? What do you say? Mm, I mean, I wouldn't say in terms of like, um, in terms of like uh, the, uh, I would say in terms of like the, um, kind of like the, the instrumentals, but not in terms of like, the 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 musical cues. I mean, that's kind of hard to say about like who the two thousands version of Lin Manuel Miranda is. That's that's still um, that's still a uh, a debate that probably we'll have to like do some hardcore research on. Nice smell of casual chats. Mmm, maybe we'll see. All right, but yes, um, like I said before, if you are interested in learning more about Chalk Zone, I did the podcast on it with Michael, Rebecca, and the cartoonish Weeb, and also the interviews with Bill Burnett and Larry Huber. So go check those out. Cool. All right, let's discuss about something that I didn't expect to hear about. So yes, Finding Nemo is going to be having an animated series on Disney+. Plus. Now, this is a rumor. I want to put this out there. This is a rumor, take it with a grain of salt, that was shared by the Dis, Dis Insider um, that uh, reportedly Andrew Staten will be returning to develop and produce the series. Disney has yet to confirm the rumors with the overwhelming support of recent Pixar titles and collection of the hit streaming platform. It comes as no surprise that Finding Nemo might possibly have an animated series. So 
Uh, yes, uh, again, take it with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, um, let's look at the ins and outs of a Finding Nemo TV series. I mean, like, first of all, like, it's about an adventurous fish in in the ocean with, uh, you know, w- with um, Dory also was a really delightful, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, folly character. And also you got Nemo who uh, has uh, basically been kind of, like, you know, uh, dragged into being a more, you know, um, uh, you know, character who has to, you know, step out of his comfort zone. So, I mean, like, uh, in regards to a TV series, you've got plenty of uh, story to work with, and also it's in it's in the it's in the ocean. Like, you know, as we all know, the ocean is huge, so there's like yeah. tons of possibilities in regards to all of this. And so, um, you know, I can't see why they wouldn't find gold in a Finding Nemo TV series when it has so many possibilities for that show to exist in as long as it's got the right people, you know, doing the creativity in front of it. So, you know, um, Greenlight at Disney, what are you waiting for? Like, it's a good idea. I think they should do it. So, um, I mean, the only problem they're going to run into is that, uh, is Ellen DeGeneres going to want to do a TV series of of Finding Nemo? You know what? Considering that Ellen is going to be ending this year, I wouldn't be surprised if she said yes. Yeah, like, uh, she's going to go the Mike Myers route, like, you know, oh, hey, I've got this character now, so I'm just going to do this forever in a day. Yeah, pretty much. Where, um, you know, ever since, like, the controversy about, like, how people were treated in the Ellen DeGeneres show, it's like, any little thing that she has that she can be able to hold on to, she's going to hold on to it pretty tightly. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, but again, these are rumors, so take it with a ma- massive grain of salt. No- nothing has been announced, nothing has been confirmed, so we're just going to leave it at there. But yeah, like, I mean, well, I saw, but I think regardless of whether it's a rumor or not, it's still a good idea to do. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, uh, if they're not going to do the Incredibles TV series, at least, you know, the, the, the next thing they could do is look at some of their other products, their other ideas that they have for movies. Like, yeah, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. Sure. All right. Unfortunately, one thing that has been confirmed and a lot of people are really, really upset about is that um, it, it has been announced by Disney Press and Disney Manga that the untitled The Owl House Light novel has been canceled due to, quote unquote, circumstances outside of the publisher's control. <laughs> yeah. And then Dana, and then Dana, <laughs> Dana took her, came back from her social media break and immediately chimed in. <laughs> yeah. She basically said this, and I quote, Actually, the publisher refused to pay a decent amount for the work, basically asking people to write a whole damn book for pennies. Every writer chose to walk away, and I can't blame them. We love to do a book or a graphic novel. It's a dream for a lot of people on the crew. We also want to be paid fairly for that time and effort. Yeah, but like, that's not circumstances beyond your control. You just have to pay him freaking more. And there you go, you got yeah. your book. Like a good grief. Yeah. Like circumstances beyond my ass. Circumstances beyond my control. W- what is it with this industry that makes billions of dollars out of, uh, you know, you, me, and everybody else listening within the sound of our voice, and then turning around to uh, the people who create these wonderful things to say, nah, sorry, there's not enough money. You know, like, uh, oh, hey, we'll, we'll pay you this, like, uh, we'll, we'll write you an IOU from, like, Hop Pop, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll have that as your payment. You know, like, it's just, wow. it's... Uh, when last week we announced, hey, Marcy's going to be having a new journal to, oh, yeah, we have um, this Good Witch Azora book that's going to be canceled. Oh, my goodness. This is another thing that Disney did recently that's gotten a lot of people but, angry. But mind you, like, you know, now that that's not happening, because Tokyo Pop was supposed to be doing that uh, Owl House book. 
So, like, yeah. and now the same people are saying to around saying, oh, yeah, well, we're going to do this Marcy Journal as well. But, you know, like, uh, I mean, if they're not going to cough up the cash for them to write that book, how do we know that's going to be a thing soon? Like, I don't uh, know. That's, you, that's a good thing. But you, you can't I mean, do I... cool stuff on the cheap. You need to pay people to do this stuff. You know, yeah. like, uh, it's like, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know what it is with, like, uh, you know, um, I probably imagine, like, you know, the people who create all the stuff, like, on the Mystery Shack, I probably imagine they get to keep quite a bit of what uh, they, if they make for that. I could be mistaken, but, uh, you know, I might be wrong. But, uh, you know, like, uh, again, like, there seems to be a good reason why Dana wants people to buy the unofficial Owl House gear and not the actual official stuff coming from Disney. Yeah. Um, and I could probably imagine, because everyone there who's probably creating stuff is probably not getting paid their due. And uh, same thing, same thing with these uh, animation writers now getting paid their due, you know, compared to the live action writers. You know. Yeah, that, that is, it's. I mean, why do you think that the, the hashtag New Deal for animation has been going on lately? Because people are working themselves to the bone, and they're not getting paid, and they're not unionized, and they, they are not being properly um, compensated for all the work that they're doing. It's like this is ridiculous. It is. Pay like them we, what they do. Pay them. Pay them! You know, like, they, they are doing good work here, pay them. Yeah, when the pandemic struck and animation was, like, the thing that was keeping people entertained, yeah, you should be thanking them, you shouldn't be chipping them. But, but I, don't, I don't care if there's a nuclear war outside, like, you know, they, they should, regardless of what the circumstances are, you know, it's, uh, times are tough right now for everybody, up and down, you know, the, you know, whether you're in the United States, whether you're in Europe, or where, wherever you happen to be. And it's all for different circumstances that, uh, you know, are not within our control. The best thing you could be, you could do in these tough times is uh, pay people enough to be able to, you know, live another day. Pretty much, and so, and if you can't do that, then you know, stop, stop stringing them along. You know, just uh, pay, you know, get, get, put projects on the floor and uh, pay them the decent amount that uh, they they are owed compared to everybody else, and uh, then we can all go home happy. You know. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, another reason why the Owl House has been. Uh, shorthanded, and now a lot of people are just, like, really upset, so... Well, I mean, let, let's be honest, I mean, like, I guess we can't say this is a spoiler, but uh, I think uh, the Owl House is done at this point. I think we can all agree, like, uh, you know, it's, yeah. uh, we've got we've got these, we've got the back end of uh, Season 2, we've got these specials coming up, and then after that, that's, that's all going to be done. In fact, one thing I'm a bit worried about is that, you know, the Owl House will continue getting traction for a, a good amount of time. And Disney will t- take notice of this and say, "Well, you know, we'll do some more Owl House stuff, but we won't have Dana Terrace or like the any of the original crew doing, you know, doing this. We'll basically just get somebody else to do it, who yeah, uh, we, that's, who, that's who we can who we can pay peanuts for, like you know, minimal effort, you know." Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, let's let's just move on before I get even more upset. And finally, uh, we have a very unusual guest on the popular kids' series Sesame Street. So, believe it or not, it's our first lady, Jill Biden. Well, I mean, this isn't unusual because, you know, um, as far as I'm aware, I mean, like, uh, wasn't hasn't there been other first ladies that have, you know, Michelle Obama appeared on Sesame Street. 
Yes, NFL. yes, she did. But um, it was actually interesting to see Jill Biden do it, especially with what happened, you know, over the years with her. Well, yeah, but back in 2014, she did Sesame. You know, uh, Michelle Obama did Sesame Street. So, like, uh, I think the first lady, as far as I'm aware, is no stranger to Sesame Street. Like, uh, I think other other first ladies have also done that done that show too. I think they. I've, I mean, uh, I could be wrong, but uh, I'm just having a look at uh, who else is like uh, you know first lady. First lady, da, 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 da. Um, so a look. So Jill Biden, so Jill Biden was yeah was the was the recent um, appearance. And uh, by the way, um, here's the thing about this in regards to how I feel about um, Jill Biden appearing on Sesame Street is that the uh, the reputation of the first lady has been restored. Wouldn't you agree? Like, you know, uh, sure. after the car crash, that was Melania Trump and uh, this, uh, you know, self-righteous princess who believed she was just going to be like, you know, uh, sunbathing on the on the White House lawn and uh, thinking that she was going to have nothing to do. Despite the fact that the first the office of first lady is so well respected within charities and is res- well respected within the, you know, within, uh, you know, community projects, things like that. And uh, they expected Melania Trump to carry that mantle. And she just didn't. And uh, nope. I, I, I can guarantee you that's the reason why, uh, you know, uh, Melania Trump never made it to Sesame Street. Yeah, know. that's true. I mean, and to be fair, this isn't the first time that, um, you know, Jill Biden appeared in Sesame Street. During the pandemic, she did appear at a quote-unquote Zoom call with Rosita talking about that we can be upstanders. So uh, this was part of the hashtag coming together commitment to racial justice. Sesame Workshop had created resources specifically designed to help military and veteran families tap into the rich diversity of the military community to start important conversations about race with young children. So that the reason this is the and also she appeared uh, back in 2011 alongside with um, Michelle Obama. So th- I think this would be like the the third time, I guess. So, yeah, she has appeared in Sesame Street before, but it's just the, the recent one that has gotten a lot of people talking about it. And uh, according to an article from Independent, um, conservatives were really upset about Jill Biden appearing in Sesame Street promoting kindness. Uh, oh, of course. I mean, like, the Republican Party is so off the deep end. They don't believe that uh, Joe Biden won the election. They don't believe yeah. in... Uh, they believe that critical race theory is being, is being uh, you know, injected into the brains of every child in America. Um, they don't believe the vaccine is real. Uh, they, they don't believe... All sorts of other stuff. This is like stuff that is the uh, the cancer that is, uh, you know, infecting the Republican Party, and then they refuse to do nothing about it. So, I mean, of course, you know, they, they will get angry at anything now, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a, and also like uh, you know, the Republican Party have been after Sesame Street for years. You remember when Mitt Romney turned around and said that he didn't want to he didn't want to kill Big Bird, but he didn't want to like borrow money from China to pay for it. Yep, I, I remember. Despite the fact that the Sesame Street has like you know a really stellar reputation in regards to uh, you know children's education on television for like you know since since its inception back in back in the seventies. Mm. Yeah, just it's ridiculous. Mm. All right then, so that is it for our discussion of uh, the non-spoiler stuff for Aaron and Patricia. If you do not want to hear spoilers for the Owl House and for another show that we're going to be talking about. 
then we're going to see you guys next week and take care and see you later, everyone. Okay. And uh, by the way, before we just give people a chance to like, you know, click the um, the stop button or like, you know, trying to clear off at this point of the show, I will actually give you the list of like all the first ladies have actually appeared in Sesame Street. So uh, the first one was Pat Nixon back in 1969 yeah, I, I I didn't hear Nancy Reagan. Uh, I don't think she made. Well, I don't think she made an appearance. I mean, you know, the Reagan administration was pretty controversial at the time. Yeah, so. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone, Reagan... everyone remembers the, the the Reagan administration for like you know the Challenger disaster and the way that uh, you know uh, uh, you know Ronald Reagan responded to it and like they can kind of forget like you know how Reaganomics kind of like wrecked wrecked the country, pretty much. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. So. Anyway, I think we've given people enough time to uh, disappear from the... to not be spoiled about Amphibia in the Owl House, so uh, shall we go into it? Alright, so which one shall we talk about first? The Owl House or Amphibia? Um, well, g given the fact that Amphibia is our debuting spoiler uh, section, I think uh, maybe we should definitely focus on that first. I think, and uh, yeah. so, uh, for those of you who do not know, we have actually caught up with uh, every single episode of Amphibia on Season 3, and so, uh, starting off with uh, Season 3B, uh, the first episode, which was uh, um, Escape to Amphibia, which is actually half-hour special, so, um, the idea being is that uh, the uh, Planters and Ambunchoy are uh, have now got a portal going uh, with the help of their friends, uh, but unfortunately, the portal is not big enough for them to fit through, so they have to get some more power, and uh, they have to get some other stuff. So this involves a hilarious uh, uh, trip to cut to uh, Spenco. Definitely no relation to Costco. <laughs> nope. So nope. Um, they do. A, by the way, this segment they do a lot of like uh, you know uh, callbacks to um, things that have like, happened in the show. So like uh, having to repair um, Frobo uh, and make him into a race car, and then they do like the uh, the thing that really like gave all the fans PTSD, and that was uh, the uh, uh, reenactment of like the stabbing of Marcy <laughs> in the back yeah. by uh, Mrs. Boonchoy. And, uh, I, I, with Anne. And, uh, by the way, before we actually get, you know, further into this, I mean, obviously, we started off with Season 3, and we haven't actually had the chance to, like, comment on, like, some of the things that we did like about Season 3. And that is that, uh, the one thing I actually really do like about this is that, uh, um, you know, Matt Briley's mom playing Mrs. Boonshoy in all of this. Like, is she, she is, like, yes. probably one of my favorite voice actresses now, because she sounds so sentimental, and she sounds so real. Like, you know, like, you hang on, like, on every word when she's talking. Like, she talks with, like, this wonderful sweetness. And uh, even when she gets upset with Anne or gets upset with somebody else, like, you know, you uh, still, you know, uh, feel like, like there's, like, this mother character that's in front of you. Like, you know, like, you do, feel, you do feel really bad for her that she's had to put up with, you know, she's had to basically put up with Anne being missing for, like, five months. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and the fact that she had to actually build, like, a... Uh, a shrine dedicated to Anne and counting the days of when she was missing. Oh, well, it was a, her workout room, quote-unquote. 
quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, some of the things about Anne Boonchoy, like uh, the fact that she told the story of like how her community came around her when uh, when Anne went missing, and uh, everyone like rallied around her and uh, you know helped her out with like you know the uh, the restaurant and shopping and like you know I could probably imagine like she was just kind of like just there in the house, just kind of sat there like you know could not able to like do anything and wondering where on earth her daughter has gone. And, yeah, uh, and if you remember from like the the first episode, Anne went missing on her birthday. Exactly, and so you know that must have been devastating for her. Like you know, and that's the one of the things I really like. You know, they build they build these like these uh, these situations. Like you know, when kids go missing, like you, you just uh, you feel so bad for Mrs. Boonchoy. Not say so you don't feel bad for Mr. Boonchoy as well. By the way, you you feel pretty bad for Mr. Boonchoy quite a lot of the time because he he's pretty much the butt of every joke, pretty much of like everything that's going on. You know, from his gaming yeah. computer dying to uh, you know him getting hit in the head with things and things like that so like uh you know he's uh he, he's he has some sentimental you know um you know as a character as well but uh oh mrs boontroy I, I i just feel i just feel for this character like you know it's just it's uh not just like the, the way she is as a as, as a as a personality but just it's just her voice you know like they really she, she really is one of my favorite disney characters i think at, at this point i think yeah. and uh and that's saying a lot by the way and uh, you know you, you hear her stories like um, like uh, you know with uh, saying oh uh, I didn't know who we were going to be accepted into this community but now when I'm running when she's riding on the floats in the Christmas episode and uh, you know you just uh, you feel like all the emotion of like her you know having to you know pick back up and uh, having to start all over again in a, in a new place you know in, uh, in in the new world if you will like it's just it's uh yeah like uh you 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 really i, I really hope that uh, you know somewhere down the line we are going to see more of her at some point and uh you know hear maybe more about like you know her backstory and everything and uh, yeah i agree yeah so um so I yeah let's uh, let's let's go over the episode recap so um <laughs> the uh the first one that aired was um as of last week Escape to Amphibia, episode 10, and the plot synopsis is this. With one shot at getting the planters back to Amphibia, Anne and her parents must go up against Mr. X and the FBI. Yeah. So, um, going back from what I was saying, so um, they build this portal, they're going to Spenco, and they have these, uh, you know, uh, you know, segments there, but uh, then Mr. X catches up with them and, uh, you know, succeeds, you know, catches the planters and... Uh, you know, locks them up in a in a in pretty much in a fortress, and uh, then just leaves the Boon Choice pretty much to uh, you know on to on their own. It says that well, they can't really do anything. So yeah, um, and and you know, of course, when we saw on what they were trying to do to get the plans going to you know bring up the portal so that they can be able to get enough juice for it, and then unfortunately, the only way that they can be able to do so is when uh, all of a sudden the FBI shows up and they're captured and then they're thrown over to well they capture the planters and they're you know being experimented ET style and so that's when Anne and her parents and her uh, companions such as Terry and Dr. Jan and um, and the robot girls decided okay we're gonna go off and we're gonna say them and we're going to try to see if we can get the portal open so we can send you back to amphibia mm -hmm. um interesting thing i will like you know at the very ending of all of this like um you know you, mr x is still trying to like stop everybody but then when he sees Anne basically power up and uh, then sees everything that happens and then um you know at the very end he's like uh, oh hey you've all got a lot of explaining to do but uh, then they turn it around and say oh no we're going to tell you basically what's really going on and so um mr x looks like he's you know a bit overwhelmed with uh, what he's about to be told so uh, i don't know like uh, are we potentially looking at a, a redemption arc for uh, mr x maybe 
So. I mean, if that were to happen, I mean, it'll have to happen like much later on in the series because now and and the planters are back in Amphibia again. But yeah, it, just because they're back doesn't mean necessarily mean that we're going to keep in mind. Like uh, you know, um, we were focused on Anne and the planters, you know, throughout, throughout the uh, the show, but uh, we still like cut back to like you know uh, segments of like when we're when we're on the Earth, and uh, then we also cut back to Sasha and we cut back to Marcy. So it's like it's, it's uh, we, we, we did we did cut into Sasha and Captain Grimes and then we also cut into Olivia and Yunnan when they were trying to find where Marcy was. Yeah, so I think you know going forward, I think we will go back to Earth from time to time. I think, and uh, I think uh, we will be seeing. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, saying, maybe they're going to tell Mr. X everything that's, that's that they know, and then Mr. X is going to be like, oh, Greece, you know, we got we got to do something. Like, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> if, if this crazy king is trying to take over all worlds, like, you know, that includes us as well. So I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, heck, maybe 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 he like, turns around to his boss and his boss doesn't believe him and Mr. X goes rogue. Like, you know, that, that'd be kind of cool. Like, you know. That uh, would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that'd be kind of a nice thing for RuPaul. So it's kind of do like, yeah, he gets to be the hero now. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be kind of sure. cool to do. So, uh, mind you, like, uh, here's the thing that kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, uh, you know, they're um, they're going to a world to take on like an army of like you know um, machines, and you think that the two th people you think they would bring with them would be Ali and Jess, wouldn't you? Like, uh, yeah, know. I don't know. I mean, but here's the thing: I don't think that they expected this to happen. That Ken King Andrea was was going to take over everything. They just thought, okay, you know, King Andreas just sent a few robots, and you know, it's nothing that we couldn't handle. But then, when they got back to Amphibia, then they realized what kind of trouble that they were at. Mm -hmm. And uh, that leads us into our next um, episode, which is the one we saw this week. And uh, so, and the first one involves uh, Commander Anne, which uh, Sasha is uh, now uh, believes that uh, she should no longer be taking control and hands control of uh, pretty much of the resistance to Anne. And uh, yes. and uh, gives her like the sacred helmet to uh, take take control of it. So, uh, Anne does a terrible job because uh, she is basically basing all her experience on the fact that when uh, Warwood wasn't hasn't gone to hell and uh, you know everything is completely changed and uh, they could just do you know the mere basics of uh, you know fighting things off and uh, it all goes pretty poorly and uh, you know, Anne is begging Sasha to uh, take command again but she doesn't want to because she feels like uh, that uh, she's that's all she's done is she become a terrible person because of it but uh, you know Anne sentimentally says no you, you know you you really are you know uh, you know you've been here for months and I've not been here and I don't know what's happened and uh, you have a better setup about this than than I do so you should be the one that's in charge so and, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, Commander Grime is not too. Uh, wasn't he? Also, wasn't too happy that he was demoted <laughs> a second time. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that was pretty funny, and I think that also just seeing the progression of where Sasha was, where she was clearly like the bad guy throughout the first two seasons, where she was manipulated to say, okay, we're going to take over everything. We're going to have the Toads rule. And then when the Newts are ruling and seeing about what kind of destruction that they're doing, it's like, yeah, we, we can't do this anymore. And also the fact that, you know, because of my actions, I was able to pretty much separate my friends. You know, Anne is no longer there at the time. And Marcy has been betrayed by King Andreas and who knows where she's at. So it makes you yeah. wonder, like, I, mean, I don't think she was necessarily like the villain, you know, in regards. I mean, I think in regards to I mean, she just wanted to get back home and uh, she was willing to do it at any cost. And I don't think I think she kind of like was coming from 
a, a position of ignorance, really, rather than like, um, you know, like she wants, she's inherently evil. I don't think that's where she was coming from. And also, like, uh, I, I mean, the one thing I, I think I would say is that in defense of Sasha, I don't think her backstory is all that fully explained. I think. I think there's like I think there's like gaps in in there. Like you know, like if you remember, like you know, I'm not saying that this is one of the reasons why she's evil. I mean, there's there's plenty of reasons. I mean, I think it's more to do with the situation more than the actual like. When I say this, is that uh, you know, notice in like in the Christmas episode when um, Anne was like writing to uh, Marcy and uh, Sasha's parents. And uh, in in regards to Marcy, he wrote to she wrote to the Wu family. But in regards to Sasha, he she wrote separate letters for both, uh, you know, Mister and Missus Waybright. So it looks like they're either going through like some kind of separation or they're going through some kind of divorce. I don't know, or maybe they are separated already. I don't know. But uh, not saying that's the excuse for the reason why Sasha acted out the way that she did. But uh, I mean, if uh, it means that you know there was a, a debacle going on within the family and this set Mar- you know Sasha off on some kind of track where, you know, she felt like she was out of control of the situation, she wanted to take more control, and so she asserted herself a lot more. Maybe that might be an explanation behind it, but we never got that, as far as I'm aware. True. We never did get that, yeah. Yeah, so... But, uh, I think... Yeah, but, but, so, but at the end um, of the day, I think Sasha needed more exp- more back explanation, I think, for the reason why she was acting the way that she was. I think. Yeah, I- I'm sure that we'll get that later on in the season, but, um, yeah, I think that this is a great first step towards her getting redeemed, and I, I can't wait to see what happens later on in the series. I mean, I think she's been redeemed already, pretty much. I mean, like, she's part of the Resistance now. And so that every, is true, yeah. Everyone's accepted I, I would love to see more context to it, for sure. But I think that's the thing, one thing I would say about the series in general, is that Sasha's not really fully explained, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then. So let's move on to the other episode that was paired up with it, which is Spryvy. Sprig and Ivy devise a scheme to be together, even at the cost of failing the mission. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this uh, is a res- is a bit of a fan response, really, because, uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about the Owl House uh, a bit soon, but uh, I think there's this expectation that because Luz and Amity are all together and everything like that, they'll fight together and that, uh, you know, they, 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 and I think that's going to be like every ship now, like, you know, oh, hey, it's the couple that are taking on the world and, uh, you know, they can do, uh, you know, as long as they're together, like, nothing can go wrong or anything like that and i think this episode i think is probably a really good episode i think this episode needed to happen because i think they need to uh, kind of lower fan expectations of like oh just because they're together as a couple means they have to do everything together you know like you know there are going to be times where you know sprig and ivy are going to need to be on their separate you know other missions so uh, for example in this situation there was um as you know they needed um uh, Ivy, and they needed, um, uh, you know, I can't remember the name of the other one, sorry. Uh, they needed Ivy and uh, they needed, like, the, you know, the, the hairdresser frog to actually go up and uh, climb up and uh, be able to dismantle the, uh, the, the, the robot that was guarding, like, the tower. And before, yeah. you know, the the other robots came back. And then they needed Sprig to, um, you know, help, you know, get all the all the automatic, you know, protection away from the tower and then be able to uh, clear the way for, um, you know, his partner to go over and actually destroy the actual, you know, uh, dis- you know to destroy the tower and do all of that. But, you know, they showed in this in, in this example of what would happen if Sprig and Ivy did their own thing and left uh, the other characters to their own devices. And you can see, let's see, that they couldn't cope with the mission. And that's it. So Spryvy ended up being uh, more of a, a, a problem to uh, the solution more than actually you know, solving the problem itself. 
So um, this was a good episode to actually show because it actually show it actually puts down some realistic expectations of like just because they're together doesn't necessarily mean they have to be together all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to happen in, like, all the other, you know, it probably happen in the Owl House as well. Like, maybe there might be a, a situation where, you know, Luz has to go off and do something, and Lamedy has to go off and do something else. You know, like, yeah. um, so like uh, we'll have, like, you know, the uh, the loving embracer, like, you know, well, be careful out there, sweetheart, and the sweet potato, and then they'll go off and, you know, fight whatever needs to fight. You know? So, <laughs> I think. Exactly. Sprivey is an important episode. It has a purpose, which I'm very happy yes, about. Yes, it does. For sure. All right, so now that we have that out of the way, let's discuss about the newest episode of The Owl House that had just aired, which is Elsewhere and Elsewhen, and my God, where do we begin? You know, um, we have to stop saying to ourselves, oh, this is going to be a delightful episode about Luz and Lilith. Oh, this is going to be a delightful episode about Hootie. Oh, this is going to be a delightful episode about other characters and everything like that, when we know that there's a big, massive thing going on, and uh, now... Um, we are left with quite a few uh, dramatic story points that I think we need to go over. So, um, let's start off with the uh, the side story first, and that is that uh, Ida has finally come to terms with the fact that uh, she attacked her dad, and uh, now her dad, uh, you know, she's got to stop, like, you know, uh, mo- moving away from that, and uh, her dad has uh, forgiven her in some way and now wants to move forward, and uh, Ida needs to kind of drop the guilt and uh, needs to move forward herself. And by the way, uh, Dell giving Ida the seed is like is such a, that is such a great uh, you know symbolism uh, in regards to like you know we've got like yeah. hey you know I can't carve palismans anymore. By the way, it's uh, shown in the story that Dell is actually like the master palisman craftsman, and so um, he helped uh, Ida you know carve hoodie. Uh, sorry, not not hoodie. Um, Al Albert, and works, uh, that's yeah. that, that's one of his uh, his favorite works and. Uh, now he's at the point where he's been helping. Uh, apparently, he's been helping the uh, the uh, the back queen actually restock the wood that uh, needs to that they need to actually make palismans. So um, this is an interesting point because I mean uh, it makes me wonder, like, because uh, if they are gonna if we are gonna get to the point where you know there's gonna be like this you know this resistance to the emperor, like uh, the owl the the back queen's gonna need to be part of that because if she's regrowing the palismans. You know, and but they could be some potential weaponry for you know fighting off against Balos. Like you know, that's uh, she's going to be an important thing, I think. You know, going forward. I oh, think. absolutely, yes. I think that the Bat Queen and the other Palisman are going to be like hugely crucial to what's going to happen. And also that Palistrum seed. Oh my God, that's going to be huge as well. It's like because that um, Palistrum wood is very, very, very rare nowadays. I think that that seed is going to be like really really important to the the you know what you know where emperor bellows is in terms of like needing palestrum wood to survive and also getting palestrum wood so that they can be able to use it to carve pal um you know palisman so that you know the witches can be able to fight mm-hmm. and uh so um there's that which i think uh, by the way was a uh, it got a lot of tears out of like uh, many uh owl house fans from what i can understand so it was a very and by the way it was a very emotional moment for Ida. and uh she- oh yeah yeah. Uh, then uh, we get the next thing, which is uh, Lilith is uh, now the curator of uh, of a museum over at uh, Bonesboro, and uh, so and then she ends up meeting her uh, mentor, her, her mentor in the Empress Coven, who is uh, uh, apparently is supposed to be based off Dora the Explorer, from what I've heard from yeah. Rebecca Rose. So um, yeah, so that you know, I, I just rolled my eyes at that point, like it was just like, oh come on, guys. 
Like, you know, like, uh, we, we know this is based on <laughs> one of, like, the most, you know, uh, not the most liked characters. And uh, she even has, like, a palisman who's based off boots, which is a yes. whip. And, like, so they even, like, the whole Indiana Jones kind of, like, vibe with her as well. Not seen that before. So, nope. uh, yeah. And also, apparently, according to what Rebecca Rose said, is that the voice actress for Flora Desplora is actually one of the voice actresses behind Dora's mom in the later season. So it's like... Yeah, there's your connection there. Yeah, I think Flora to me is gonna be like uh, she's kind of. I'm not saying she's gonna be bad as Towley from South Park, but oh my goodness, she's she's getting there. So um, well, I mean, I don't think that she'll be around that much longer. But oh, I hope not. Yeah, like that. Anyway, but yeah, let's let's get into like the main focus of this episode. Oh, baby, you just uh, you've kind of gone a bit echoey. Hello. Oh, um, just try again. Hello. Oh, there you go. So. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so in regards to, um, you know, uh, yeah, so, yeah, cause that character was, was, was a thing. That's the, that's, I, I, I say, there's not been very much things I've disliked in the Owl House, and uh, I think that was one of them. So uh, I was disappointed to see that. But uh, anyway, going on with the actual plot. So, um, Luz, and Lil, Luz is uh, trying to find uh, out about this collector, and uh, he's, she's found out about that in the, uh, I think it's probably from what I understand, like uh, the, um, the uh, journal then kind of like, burns off at that point at the, at the end of that of the end of that uh, that plot point so i'm guessing now i think the echo mouse's uh, job is now done i guess like uh, there's it's not gonna be any... yeah i guess there's no more like journal to like you know show as far as i'm aware you know because like, now it's all burned up but uh in uh, in regards to so i guess that you know we're just going to hear no more about uh, philip witterbane and uh, uh so um lose then gets the idea of uh, trying to find like a time portal uh, to uh, try and go back to the time of uh, seeing Philip Witterbane for herself, and so she brings Lilith along for the ride. Lilith isn't sure that so she's able to like power in any machinery uh, for uh, that, but then uh, Luz gets the idea of using the Titan Glove, and so she they use another uh, part of the coagulated blood to uh, power up the machines and to be able to find time portals, which are actually on the beach there, you know, between the, uh, the, the ocean and, and the land. So, uh, they find a bunch of time portals. They're all different. Like, uh, one takes them back to like, you know, where, which is basically the Cretaceous period, like the version of the boiling isle. So it's interesting. Cause like, you know, the, um, I don't know what the timeline is of like the boiling isles itself, but I guess it's probably been around for maybe like millions of years, maybe. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, maybe it's shorter than that. I don't know, but uh, so and also they find a, a time portal that uh, takes them back to like five minutes before, which I thought was hilarious and uh, stupid rock. Uh, <laughs> and so then they finally find the um, the portal they're looking for, which takes them back to uh, the Dead Wardian peri period, and uh, uh, that's where they find Philip Witterbane. And uh, it turns out that he's a bit of a he's a bit of a weakling from what from what we understand. Like uh, he gets picked on a lot from like uh, the uh, the other witches. So uh, he, uh, he he kind of reminds me of, like uh, you know uh, Marty McFly Senior from uh, the from Back to the Future. You know, like when they find him, like he, he's always been picked on by Biff uh, in a way. Like yeah, all the other yeah. Guys. So he is uh, sort of like that. And uh, but then uh, Lewis comes to his defense and manages to save the uh, the journal. And uh, here's the thing about this: like, I don't know how to feel about like the whole like going back in time and like you know changing history, kind of like you know no deal. And uh, so um, because they go to the point where like uh, she's bragging about like, oh hey, I thought Philip would have been something. And I thought you know like when you travel back in time, you could potentially be changing things that you shouldn't necessarily be changing. 
Yeah. You know, which uh, that kind of throws me off a little bit. Like you know, usually what you happens is you go back in. You know, at the end of the episode, you go back in time and actually change it all back, which they don't do in this, by the way. So, no, they like, don't. I don't know. Because just... It's been it's been stated that the time pools are never in the same place twice. Mm-hmm. So um, they meet Philip Willibane and uh, they disguise themselves and say that oh, they're witches from like you know a misty castle or something like that, and uh, so they they go with that, and uh, then um, they find Will- Philip Willibane has been living in a in a cave this entire time and has been surviving pretty much on the glyphs that uh, also that losers also found as well. Uh, so uh, he's actually learned pretty how to teleport, and so he he does that. And so I guess that's one thing maybe Luz probably learned from Philip Willibane whilst he was doing all of that, like how to like you know do teleportation glyphs. So uh, yeah, that... um, I think that's the one thing that we did see that was different. Mm-hmm. So um, they teleport over to what is the head of the Titan, which Lilith says is sacred ground. So I'm guessing that's uh, it's uh, the the head of the Titan is the uh, the place that people do not dis- do not go to, uh, from from what I understand. And uh, yeah. so it, yeah, they um, they say, oh, there's this door that's open, but uh, Lilith is suspicious because it's been open. It looks like it's been opened uh, a few times before, and also that uh, Philip reminds a reminder of something that uh, she uh, used to work with. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we get to the point where she ends up being Philip. Uh, you see over the shoulder writing his. Uh, his uh his journal and then like it turns out that he's actually been lying the entire time about or exaggerating some parts of the journal so uh which uh it's kind of saddening at the same time because apparently now uh, Luz has found out that her reading that journal has probably been a waste of time pretty much and yeah it, it's kind of really devastating for Luz because she thought that she was going to get some information regarding about like how to build a portal door and how we're able to survive in the boiling aisles as a human and yeah, I mean, the only thing that she had seen is that he was a liar, he was a jerk, and he was very um, kind of, like, angry and prejudiced towards witches. Yeah. So, um, he's been, he uses, tries to use Lilith as a sacrifice for this uh, Jurassic creature that's uh, currently looking in there. <laughs> the and stone uh, sleeper. Yeah, the stone sleeper. And uh, then, um, uh, so, that whole thing kicks off. And uh, so then, um, while Luz is trying to save Lilith, um, you get... Uh, um, you know, Philip finds this um, this uh, mirror, which uh, I guess is his connection to the collector that we've been yes. hearing so much about. And uh, so I'm guessing with everything that plays out, and uh, by the way, um, when all that plays out, and uh, they manage to get the uh, that 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 uh, sleeping creature under control, a stone creature under control. Uh, you know, Philip Whitaker makes his escape, but then uh, losing little of chase chase him down and uh then lilith which i think we didn't really pay too much attention by the way uh a lot of people reacted really like oh my god lilith punched uh philip witterbane in the face and he's actually got like uh you know uh, an injury from uh being punched in the face and uh, i'm just kind of sitting there like well you know i've seen a uh, principal prickly from recess punch uh you know uh, the bad guy in recess calls out in the face and uh, then we saw like you know uh, carl from frederickson from up you know uh, bash a guy in with uh, with his cane so like uh, so for this for me like someone who's like been you know no- noticed violences in, in disney you know uh, productions this to me isn't new but uh, i think for all the owlhouse fans i guess they got a kick out of it so. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect Lilith to do it. You would expect Ida to do it, but not Lilith. Yeah, well, she did it. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I think what's happened is, I think, uh, mind you, it makes me wonder, um, was what happened with, um, I mean, was Philip Bain already on this track already of, like, becoming Emperor Bellows? I mean, like, given the way that uh, he's 
Apparently, when he gets to the cave, it's shown that he's actually drawn glyphs on himself and actually cursed himself from the looks of it. Yeah, or maybe... and also, if you see in the background, there's already, like, blueprints of a Grimwalker, like, with the stone sleepers and the and the bones and the Silky Dama scales, like, and he was saying, like, you know, I need to live long enough to do this. It's like, yeah, we can probably say that maybe he's the Grimwalker. Hmm. Uh, th this has been my theory, like, from, from the entire time, is that uh, I think that... Um, uh, Philip Witterbane, I guess we can now say, is probably Bellows at this point, but uh, which uh, originally I thought was kind of disappointing, but at the same time, like, uh, it makes me wonder how on earth he's been keeping himself alive for this long, and now we know why. I think the likelihood is he has been transferring himself into different Grimwalkers, and he's been slowly going insane every, with every like time he you know, transfers himself into another one, and uh, which makes yeah. you wonder, like, uh, uh, good grief, Hunter's not looking too good right now, I have to say. Like, uh, also he says he needs another sacrifice as well, so it makes me wonder, like, uh, is he next? In regards I guess so. To, in regards to, like, and what's he, what's he going to sacrifice Hunter to? Like, is he going to transfer himself into Hunter? Or... Either that, or maybe he's sacrificing him to the Titan so that they can be able to have the Day of Unity. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's still yet to be kind of, like, figured out, really, like, what this is really all about. So... But, yeah, uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, once again with this show, we'll reveal things, and then we just have more questions piled up. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, coming up uh, on the next episode, uh, we're going to be having uh, a, a sport, another sports episode, uh, which apparently yep, is going to, uh, from what I understand from me, like, looking at some of the teaser stuff, I think it's going to focus a, a standoff between uh, the Golden God and uh, Willow now. That so. should be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to this. Is this what is this the track we're going to go on? Like you know, so he's gonna he had a one on one with Luz. He's had a one on one with uh, uh, with Amity. He's now gonna have a one on one with Willow. I mean, like is Gus gonna be next after that? And, uh, yeah, like you know, is uh, like is this gonna be like? I think we're building up to like he's gonna fight like every single person that uh, is in Luz's crowd, and then eventually, you know, it's maybe we're gonna end up in a situation where you know, uh, Hunter maybe, like, you know, switches sides, maybe, and maybe, like, he says, oh, hey, I've been wrong about you all, you guys, this entire time. Like, uh, mm. and then, but maybe it might be a bit too late for that, I don't know. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see, but uh, we are looking forward to uh, the next episode, we have to say. I mean, yeah, I am, I am for sure. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure Willow has not been working out for no reason, I have to say. So, uh, mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, we're going to see how, how, how much of her body strength she's gained in the last, uh, <laughs> since the last, <laughs> since that episode. Yes. All the gains. All the gains. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week for some more stuff. So take care, everyone. All right. See you later, guys.